Welcome to Wanja City, where we have more than audacity. We are Wanja City, and my name is Wanja City. You are now on board a rebuilding tour through the memoirs of Nehemiah from Nehemiah's book in the Bible. In this episode, we will look at chapter 6 of Nehemiah. Welcome. There are so many reality TV shows. So many. From those scouting talents such as models, those doing some kind of body transformation such as for weight loss or surgery to cosmetically enhance one's looks. There are cooking shows and fashion shows and music shows and on and on. So, so many. If you've watched any of those shows from beginning to end, you'll know that the end of the show is typically hyped because it's the climax. It's the highlight. Almost like the point of the show. If it's some kind of a cooking competition, whether it's baking or just gourmet cooking and there's a reward, everyone wants to find out who wins the reward and who gets bragging rights. For example, best baker of XYZ or ABC show. It's the same for all the others. Who wins the title of best model or best whatever and who loses the most weight for a weight loss show. And now you get the flow, even if you've never watched a single reality show. Some reality shows, though, don't seem to have any point, and there's no tangible cash reward. Perhaps just bragging rights for being the prettiest of the bunch and such intangible rewards. Although, come to think of it, the actors on these kind of reality shows are paid, so there's monetary value for them. For the viewers, the value gained is debatable, but still we watch. For the building, construction, fixing up, restoration, property development shows that I favor, it's the same. I mean, the pattern. The pattern of waiting for the finale of the show when the end product is unveiled. We are just as eager as the owners to see the transformation we've patiently seen through for weeks on end, waiting for the reveal. The reveal is worth the wait, almost always. Actually, I've never seen a show where the homeowners were not impressed by the final product. That would be a very different kind of show. But before that final house can be presented, complete and renovated to the owners, There are hurdles that have been met and surpassed along the process. Usually right before the grand reveal, some challenge comes up that threatens to derail the process again. It is the last attempt to distract. It must be conquered. Nehemiah has come a long way from serving wine to the king in a foreign land as cupbearer, to organizing his people to rebuild the broken down wall of Jerusalem and its gates, to quelling internal protests from the poorer members against the usury of the nobles and officials as we had in the last episode. But there have been some bullies, also called haters, that have tried to stop this rebuilding almost from the start. These enemies threatened using words, and at one point we saw in the haters episode, which you can catch up here on Wanjacity, that they plotted to come and kill the people to stop the rebuilding. I know, right? Extreme. But God frustrated that plot and Nehemiah and his people were armed and ready for any eventuality as they continued with the goal, rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. The haters are back. Sanballat and crew. There's Tobiah, his trusty sidekick, and Geshem from chapter 2, as well as the rest of the enemies. Do you know what time it is? The wall is rebuilt and not a gap left in time. Time. That's what time. And this is the time the haters come back. Now. They had had word that the wall was rebuilt. And hold up, who are these haters always hearing from? Who are the snitches? So yes, the haters heard that the wall was rebuilt, that the doors had, but the doors had not been set in the gates, however. When Sanballat and Geshem sent Nehemiah a message to go down to Sanballi for a meeting in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Yeah, 
That's what I, what I said. That's what it says. Oh, I know. Oh, no. Seems like an obvious hint to the answer. <laughs> Don't you think? You trust these enemies wanting a meeting. They've stopped threatening the people in mass and now come straight for the leader. Because remember, everything rises and falls on leadership, right? Yes, so their strategy now appears. Let's get the head. The people will fall apart. Not a bad strategy, actually. Let's just give it to them. But they mean no good. On the contrary, they were scheming to harm Nehemiah. We cannot have that. And so what did Nehemiah do? Verse 3, chapter 6, Nehemiah sent messengers to them with this reply. And I quote NIV. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? And we can borrow this next time someone or something tries to waste our time with their shenanigans or us. But if you know enemies, they are diehard. They are like pests. They persist. The way Sanballat and company did by sending the same message to Nehemiah four times. One, two, three, four. Same message. Come down, we talk. But who is Nehemiah? He is no pushover. I will tell you that. He gave them the same answer each time. One, two, three, four. I cannot go down. We are busy. Persistence and balance. Set his assistant the fifth time with the same message. Can you believe it? Only this time, the assistant had in his hand an unsealed letter purporting some report about how Nehemiah was plotting a revolt, hence the rebuilding of the wall. That Nehemiah was planning to install himself as king, even appointing prophets to make a proclamation in Judah. So that letter was basically urging a meeting to confer together before the king got wind of the report. This is a real escalation of events. Sanballat has a healthy imagination. Or is it just that he's such a bully that he'll stoop to such levels as false accusations and of secession no less? This intimidation tricks are beyond. Basically, he was threatening to have Nehemiah charged with treason against the king, his boss, the one who used to serve wine, using some baseless report. If Nehemiah had been a weaker man, he may have succumbed, but he wasn't, and we praise God for that. Nehemiah's reply in verse 8 says, and I quote NIV, Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head, end quote. Told you he was imagining things that Sambalat has a very unhealthy imagination. Nehemiah tells us, remember this is his me memoir, yeah, so these are his words, that they were trying to frighten the people, hoping their hands would get weak and the work would not be completed. That was their end game. Stop that wall rebuilding. Nehemiah prayed to God for strength, that he would strengthen his hands, which is a very good prayer to copy. Then, oh no, it's not over yet. You'd imagine that with that shutdown of Sanballat's advances, one, two, three, four, Five times, it was all smooth sailing henceforth. Do you know any scaremongers in your circle? They don't have to be in your inner circle, just some people you know who thrive on serving scary statistics. So, do you know any such scaremongers in your circle? Yes, because there was Nehemiah at the house of one Shemaiah who was shut in at his home. And Shemaiah tells Nehemiah they should meet inside the temple and close the temple doors because they were men coming to kill Nehemiah by night. <laughs> what? This is advice from a man who's already shot him in his own home. Now he wants Nehemiah to join him in the temple so that they cower in together. Of course, if you know Nehemiah, he was no coward, and he did not agree to that plan, to run away and hide. I will not go, said Nehemiah. 
Turns out this man Shemaiah had prophesied against Nehemiah because Tobiah and Sanballat, the haters, had hired him. I mean, come on. You can't make this stuff up. These enemies have snitches among your people, bought and paid for to mislead and trap you, Lord save us. Shemaiah, who seems to be some kind of prophet, had been hired by Tobiah and Sanballat to discredit him. The levels Sanballat is willing to stoop to are past basement. We are now beyond, we are just past basement. Then there was another prophetess, Noadiah, and others who had been trying to intimidate Nehemiah. No wonder Nehemiah prayed for God to remember all these people, Sanballat, Tobiah, Noadiah, Shemaiah, all of them, all intimidators of prophets for what they had done. That's surely too much. If you can't trust prophets. But God, I love this statement. It's a reminder of God's statement. How, I mean faithfulness, how he comes through. But God. So the wall, this one that has been attacked from the get-go by all manner of low-life tactics, was completed. Hallelujah. And it was completed in, get this, five, two days, 52 days. Remarkable. I'm not sure how long the original wall building took. I hear it was years. Feel free to research. But even then, for all these challenges we've encountered along the way, notably the external enemies and Balat and company, the selfish nobles who wanted to charge excessive interest and not work, you can catch up on all those previous shenanigans in this episode on Wanjacity to get a fuller picture. But the point is, 52 days is no mean feat. And do you remember Sanballat sarcastically asking, will they finish in a day? Or sidekick Tobiah quipping, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Do you remember that? It's in chapter 4. Also in episode 4, let's build in case you want to catch up. But yeah, there, the wall is complete. Mission accomplished 52 days. The wall is complete. Mission accomplished 52 days. You can imagine how all the enemies surrounding the people reacted once they had the wall was complete. <laughs> of course they had. <laughs> They're always hearing all things Jerusalem was building. They were afraid and lost their self-confidence. Good. Because they realized that this work had been done with God's help. Yes. Wow, wow, wow. What a realization and what an awesome lesson. That if the work, the project, the building we are engaged in is commissioned by God, there is no stopping it. Hear me, you will not stop it. Can you really fight God? Because that's what all of Nehemiah's people's enemies were doing by fighting his people and that important work, rebuilding the wall, restoring dignity, securing the nation. Verse 17 to 19 of chapter 6, which has been our focus in this episode, they have some very interesting tidbits about how in those days the nobles of Judah, them again, were sending many letters to Tobiah, him again, and vice versa. Apparently they were under oath to him since he was some kind of in-law. So those nobles kept reporting his good deeds and then reporting back to Tobiah what they had heard from Nehemiah, who then sent intimidating letters to Nehemiah. I mean, shameless. The lot of them, just shameless. Anything to protect their nobility tough. How are they even nobles? Okay. And this intimidation, will, when does it end? But that's inconsequential in the end because as you've seen, goal, mission, accomplished, wall built, 52 days. That for the good of all the people of Judah, 
and not just for the selfish nobles and to the shame, the shame of the persistent surrounding enemies. Oh, those haters were many. They lost. Their attempts to scuttle the world building were thwarted, and so the reveal was not ruined. Yes, it was not ruined. Remember we say the reveal is the point. More importantly, God shone through his people's works, and we would hope the enemies learned to fear him. We hope. For now, wall completed, 52 days, God and his people triumph. Thank you for joining me on this rebuilding tour. Today we end on a high note, some good news for Nehemiah and his people. Let's see what the next chapter holds in the next episode. Until then, keep shining, keep conquering, because you are like a city on a hill. You cannot be hidden. So let's meet again right here on Wanja City. My name is Wanja City. Stay audacious. Thank you.